and you sing the bridge 46 times until you're holy or until everyone goes home. Hello and welcome to Deconstructing Worship, a series of positive and constructive conversations about the current culture of modern worship. We are your hosts, Steve Quantic and Kyle Trevor. Okay, welcome to Deconstructing Worship. Great to have you here. And this week, um, our guest is Bryn. Yeah. I mean, we do this. We do this every week, Carl, don't we? We do the kind of clapping and applause and everything, and just eventually. Feel like you do something else. Soon. Let's give him a bit uh, of a wolf whistle. Ooh, yeah, geez. exactly. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Bryn, it's so good to have you on the podcast, mate. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, thank you for having me. My name's Bryn. I'm from North Wales. Uh, I currently live in South Wales. I, I'm a musician. I went to uni in Newport, South Wales, to study creative sound and music, whatever that means. I don't, still <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I've been going to church since I was minus nine months old. <laughs> and um, yeah, I started to play music when I was about 13, 14, maybe when all my friends started getting into various bands and uh, all learning how to play guitar. And yeah, ever since then, I've been playing music playing worship music that's awesome dude that's so when because i've known you like a really long time now like when you think about it, i'm like wow that's that's like a really long i mean time. you think it's a really long time but i don't know I, it's only 13 years i mean it's still quite long it's quite a long time <laughs> i think when you hit over a decade with a yeah. friendship <laughs> so i yeah i'm just gonna ask you because obviously when i met you you were already like playing in worship bands so when did you start playing in kind of like a worship context? When I started playing music, pretty much. Oh, okay. Initially, I, I was not a very good player. So when I was about 14, maybe a bit later, 14, 15, we, me and my friends from church, we got together and we were like, all right, we're starting a band. One guy played the guitar and one guy, uh, Joe Taylor. Even when we were like 13, 14, he was an incredible drummer. So we kind of got together and they were like, oh, we need a singer. So I was like, oh, I can sing. And, like, I could not sing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we started the band from church, the four guys who were, like, in our sort of age group called Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. So, yeah, that was, that was my first real experience of, like, playing music. And it was kind of in a Christian context anyway. And then, obviously, I started to learn guitar. And then I started to get involved with the band in the church in North Wales, which is AOG, Pentecostal, which did have a really good kind of worship band when I was 10, 11. And it kind of started to progressively get a little bit less good <laughs> as I got, as I started to learn, I think. Once I started to learn a few things about music, I was like, okay, maybe we're doing something that's not quite working. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it's it's hard in a place where volunteers you know it's it's volunteers isn't it? it's not professional yeah. musicians yeah you just volunteer and you say yeah i can do a thing and someone goes okay you're doing that thing yeah it's so, it's a it's a it's a funny kind of like dichotomy isn't it like you you want it to be like the very best it can but for the majority of churches obviously like you've got the big churches that can afford to employ musicians and things like that and that's amazing and that's awesome as well and obviously 
if you're going to be employed as a musician and if you're like an employer, you want to make sure you employ the best person you can find. And obviously like heart and stuff like that has a lot to do with it, or I hope it has a lot to do with it. Um, but when you're like, you got, you're, you're dealing with like volunteers, then it's, it's very different because most volunteer who are like people volunteering to play in worship bands and churches have full-time jobs and they don't have the time to be putting into like, or they don't have much time to be putting into stuff like that. So it's kind of like this, it's a beautiful thing because like, even if it isn't this miraculous, amazing kind of crazy musical stuff, if the heart's right, it's like, wow. But then you, you, as a musician, then there's that side of you then that kind of, you go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could play it better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So when, so I guess when you went to university, what was then your kind of church experience like then? And how did you kind of get involved in, did you get involved in the worship team at the church at university or did a battle? Yeah, we, that's where I met Kyle. Um, we used to go to church in Newport and initially I said to them, they were like, oh, what can you play? And I was like, oh, I play a bit of this and a bit of that. And they put me on the, all the things they put me on keys. <laughs> they put me on keys. Oh, did they? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't play the keys, but I was like, yeah, I can play the keys. Sure. <laughs> in all honesty, I should have said, well, I'm a worship leader, but I don't know. I guess when you're, when you're sort of 17, 18 and there's a big, massive team of a bunch of musicians who are, you know, really a lot better than you are. You don't just come in and say, oh, this is what I do. I've, I felt like, oh, I can do this or this or, you know, serve in a bit of a, any way that I can. Whereas maybe I should have just been like, all right, this is the role that I want to be in. And then it would have been a lot easier to be like, right, if that's what you want to do, you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to learn more. You're going to have to, you know, yeah. sit beside the guy who leads worship right now, you know, come in on a Sunday early and, you know, but there almost was never opportunity to do that. And I think for me, for the future, maybe like if my son ever learns guitar and if he wants to play worship, I'd be like, right, what do you actually want to do? And we sit down and we work on what you actually want to do instead of beating around the bush. And then five years later, oh, you're supposed to be a worship leader. Right? Yeah. It's almost this like kind of you feel like you have to have this like kind of false humility sort of thing of like, oh, I don't like I don't want to say that I want to do that because it's almost like frowned upon to want, <laughs> to want to do something like where like even like scripturally it says to like it's a good thing to to desire like leadership it says it's a yeah. good thing do you know I mean like if you've got the right heart and the reason behind it is is like admirable then why not like but we I think we are taught a lot especially like in the past we're taught that like wanting that stuff is is a bad thing I think we were we're we're almost being overtaught submission to authority yeah. like like yes submission under authority of the church setting is great like I, I'm a firm believer in that you should respect the person who's in authority yes yeah, of course but that doesn't mean you can't question what they do yeah. and that doesn't mean you can't say to them this is what I want to do at the time I was just I was just saying yes to things and people would ask me oh can you do this and I'd be like oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, can you do this? And I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. And then, you know, three years later, once I'd finished uni and I was saying yes to him, I was like, I, I can't do everything. <laughs> but I almost couldn't say then because I'd spent three years saying yes to everything. Yeah, that's, it's really interesting, actually. Like, coming from my side of, like, the things, like, obviously, because we, we kind of grew a bit of a friendship, like, when we first met. And for me, as, as like, seeing you as, like, as your role in the church, you were, like, the guy who would do the things that needed to be done. So like if, oh the, oh, the drummer can't make it this week, bring, can you fill in? Yeah, yeah, sure. 
uh, or like the the guitarist can't like do it this week. Oh, when can you fill in? And it's like yeah, yeah, sure. And like you would do those roles tremendously. Um, and then I remember when you first started, or remember when I first started seeing you lead worship, as in like from the traditional sense of view of like singing and with a guitar. Um, I remember being like, ah, oh, I didn't know Bryn did that, and I'd known you for a good couple of years then. So you've talked about how you were at church from a very young age, like from yeah, from when you were born, really. And then, you know, there was that moment when you were a teenager where you started playing in the worship team. So what was kind of the first experience you remember of congregational worship in that kind of interim time? I don't think I could pinpoint a specific memory because my memories from when I was 10 to 15 are very, very blurry. But yeah, there was... The, the music that we used to play in the AOG was really like, it's obviously it's a Pentecostal church. They used to play upbeat music. They used to play, you know, the quite modern songs, the new Hillsong stuff that was coming out, you know, all that type of stuff. And yeah, they were, they were actually a really, really good band at the time from what I remember. But yeah, we used, we used to go to a, a Methodist thing every Easter as well. We used to go a different place every year. It's called Easter People. Um, it's sort of similar thing to Spring Harvest, but yeah, they they used to be this band who used to lead the worship there called Why Friday. Oh, yes, I remember Why Friday. Friday. It was so good. So so there, that's that's mainly where I started. Kind of, oh okay, we used to go to we used to go to this thing called the they used to call it the Fringe, and it used to be on like a Friday or a Saturday night of those two weeks of Easter. Um. And they used to have like different bands come in. Um, you know, they used to play like like you would almost in a club, but like they play in a church venue or a venue in one of the theatres or you know stuff like that. Um, yeah, and I remember specifically why why Friday being this worship band at the time. Um, they were just a small little group of guys who used to lead worship at those events. Um, and yeah, that's that's always stayed with me. And I'm like, uh, even though it's kind of not corporate, it's not a corporate like church setting. It was really one of those things that I thought, man, these guys like, and they were like, they were a good band outside of even leading worship. You know, when when they started writing songs and they started releasing actual actual albums. But yeah, as far as as far as church goes, I think there's n- there's not many times that I could remember because. We used to go every single week. Look in there, right? So talking about like experiences that you like that stick out to you. Um, what, like, kind of what affected you about those those experiences? I think I think it's they had a really kind of specific message, you know. Um, man, this this isn't just they're not just playing music here there's there's something else like going on that's not just happening in the physical you know and people's people i think people who listen to secular music they they almost think uh you just it's just music you just you know we listen to music it sounds good we have a good time but like when you actually sit down and listen to the, the lyrics that somebody's taken time and taken care to write and they actually want to tell you something 
it's a much different thing. That really sticks out to me. And it was like, you could just sit there and just soak in. And it's just the presence of God was on on that band. That sounds awesome. That's amazing. You're, you're right. And it's like, because like, I'll, I'll see, I, like, I love bands like Snarky Puppy we were talking about earlier. And like, loads of like bands where like the music, musicianship is just, crazy talented and don't get me wrong i love them and like i've been to see them and it's like it's it's such an amazing experience like, i remember this one time seeing snarky um like the the energy was um, it was crazy like everyone was jumping off the wall and it was just it was such a great experience but it's different it is it there's you can't like put really put words to it it is different isn't it like i'll, I'll go to see worship conference or whatever um and it's just i don't know it, it is just different it's it's the way you the way you inter- interact with it and it's like the presence of god is the thing that changes it isn't it it, it, it comes from this it's it's this it's this piece of music that's amazing and wonderful and beautiful and awesome and now it's just transcended into something else yeah tr- transcendent is the word that i was going to use to be honest mate because it just i think there is uh, i think it is it, it's quite like obviously, like you know, like um, it's quite simple in a way, isn't it? In that, like, it would make sense, logical sense, that an act of creativity that is connected with the source of creativity would have more of an impact. You know, I well, I guess, well, I suppose, like, um, purposefully, purposefully and intentionally connected to, because let's face it, you know, a lot of these other kind of bands and artists that I, I believe they would have like transcendent moments too you know mm. oh for um, sure like, like like i've experienced stuff like that so many times yeah they wouldn't necessarily recognize or give credit to to god in that yeah um but i don't know i, I think god is still kind of glorified um in in the sense that from the point of view that like you know i, I believe that you know there is something that connects that that moment of connection can i think lead people to god it can lead people to think that there is something more there is something that transcends our experience but um, mm. but yeah I, mem- I remember going to see um angels and airwaves um in london um it was a uh, like a like a festival thing i think it was called give it a name and there was like a f- load of bands there and you had people like um like yellow card and, and all, like lots of different different acts um and angels came on and it was after their first album release um, and I remember going to see, we going to see them. They came on and the atmosphere changed. It was, it was, it was like weird. Like you were talking, it was like, it transcended music. And it wasn't because they were playing anything necessarily like better than the other bands. Like I know there's lots of people there that didn't really like Angels and Airwaves above other bands there and stuff, but like the atmosphere changed. Oh, it was amazing. And me and Helen, um, we're just like talking about it after and we were like that was like, that was worship like we we like we entered into something then and it was amazing it was it was amazing what would you say Bryn, is your favorite thing about congregational worship i think i think that my f- my favorite thing about congregational worship is leading people into into that presence that that's what that's what i always felt that my calling was that's that's what you know a lot of other people I, i'm sure kyle would probably agree 
he'd say yeah when when you've led worship in the past there's there's just something about the way that you do it and the way that you you know a lot of people have said that to me like the way that you usher in the presence of god is just a, it's a little bit different to how other people would do it and you plan to do a certain thing and i'd always be the one who was like yeah this thing isn't working so we're going to do this and then everyone goes why why are we doing this <laughs> please i what are we playing and i'd just be like this is what we're playing this is what we need to play right now i and it's always a case of you know you you've got to gauge how the congregation are feeling or you know how they're responding to what the band is doing and then you've got to obviously make a plan but if that plan isn't working are you com and as as well are you confident in the way that the band is going to respond to what you put out because obviously you can't just put out something they don't have any idea about unless you're like right we've discussed maybe it'll go here maybe it'll go there maybe this song um but yeah i, I hey guys we're gonna go into nine eight now is that all right yeah we're <laughs> What song are we playing? <laughs> I've never played that in my, in my life. <laughs> but it's just like, it's just about kind of just being sensitive, isn't it? Sensitive to the spirit, like, because it's so important of like, you obviously having an agenda is really good. Like you need to have a plan, like, like coming in kind of half cocked isn't yeah, like, I mean, no sometimes good for work because I mean, God will, God will like take over and, and do his thing, but he wants us to come with excellence and, and to bring our very best. But, you you need to be willing to kind of just okay the spirit's not leading me there i need to completely to do a 180 on my plan and let's go somewhere else so like for, that makes me just gets me thinking about like just making sure that each member including like ourselves is that we we're working on our craft and we're making sure that we are at a level where i say like we don't have to be kind of like crazy crazy talents like we're talking at the beginning like the majority of musicians are volunteers but there is that sort of like, there's that that beckoning forward into a bit more of a maturity of going, right, I need to make sure that I am working on my craft so that if and when the spirit needs me to change what I'm doing, I can, instead of it just going, Bleh, and it's a train wreck. There's kind of two things to draw out there, isn't it? Like just to kind of call back to previous episodes. We talked a bit, and I think in the first episode about rehearsing spontaneity, didn't we? Mm. Um, which I think is, you know, sounds like a contradiction in terms, but like you say, that's just kind of like being kind of so ready in your craft. But then like, you know, in the whole uh, excellence versus um, flow and responsiveness argument, I think that's what we've hit upon there actually is how you balance the two, right? Because, you know, the answer isn't like, well, we've prepared this with excellence, so we stick to the plan. And the answer isn't, we have prepared nothing, so, you know... Let's see what happens. <laughs> so, you know, see what happens. The, the answer is somewhere in between. Like, you know, maybe the answer is to prepare, mm. but to be willing to throw aside what yeah. has been prepared, you know? Yeah, and it, like, like you were saying, it is just... The most important thing is just being willing to... And be humble enough to go... God, what do you want to happen here? Because like you, you, you don't know, like in like you said, like talking back to what you said about what your actual favorite thing about congregational worship is, and it is that you love kind of ushering people into the presence of God or that awareness of the presence of God, because like his presence never grows or diminishes. Like it's it's that kind of humility then to go, okay, right, I need to listen to you, I need to be listening to you, and that means I need to make sure 
that I'm able to go those places. So I do. I, I completely agree with you. That's awesome. Mm. So in terms of your your original music, Bryn, um, like so I listened to some of your stuff this afternoon um, before um, before before we came on. It's not it's not kind of traditional congregational worship. <laughs> it's it's certainly something else, isn't it? Um, it's like you know it kind of had you know it has kind of like an urgency and energy to it um, that I really liked and. Um, had some lovely, lovely noisy guitars, which obviously I respond to. Um, so how did you kind of, when you started making your own music, how how did you end up there instead of ending up at writing congregational worship songs? Um, I think I think a lot of it is just due to influence. Like I draw I draw a lot of influence, you know, from the old sort of 2000 Kerrang era, which is like... <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's what we... You know, I don't know how old you are, but I know that Kyle used to listen to that stuff. You know, we used to listen to Blink-182, The Offspring, um, Linkin Park. I still listen to Blink-182. Uh, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> you know, all those all those kind of like bands that were sort of breaking the mold at the time. And they were putting their like own spin on it. You know, I I listen now to a lot of band called Enter, Enter Shikari. Yes. I really, I really love their stuff. And I, I actually really love the like political side of that stuff kind of as well. Um, I think it's a very important time for us to like start speaking about that stuff through through our music, and I've got I've got a few songs that are, you know, they probably wouldn't play them on BBC at the moment because they're a bit you know too pl- political. It's not so much so much anti-establishment, but it's like it's anti-oppression, isn't it? But like that that's so Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like that is I think like if you like um, Davy was saying in episode two, like Jesus was a punk. Do you know what I mean? Like, really, if you think about it, like, he was, you know, he fought against the establishment that was oppressing people and hurting people. And, like, I think, like, if you would kind of go, okay, like, if Jesus was to be in a band, those are the bands he's he's going to be in. Like, he's going to be writing lyrics that are going to be, like, yeah, exactly. like anti, anti-oppression anti and things like that. So, dude, I, like, listen, I've obviously been your friend as well. I've had privy to, like, some of your stuff before you've released it, which is really cool. Um uh, and dude, I love it. Like you, you are you. You're you're speaking about some really important stuff. Um, like uh, off the back of that, and kind of kind of piggyback on what Steve was saying as well. Um, obviously, you've gone in that more direction of writing the, the way you are. How do you find? Because I know you've written worship songs before, haven't you? Mm. Like more kind of your more traditional worship stuff. Yeah. What's your experience between the two? Like and like, how do you like? Obviously. I wouldn't say like what's your favorite one to write because obviously I guess it's the more stuff you're doing now, but like, what is the difference and experience that you have between those two types of writing? I, uh, for me anyway, I think it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult for you to write congregational songs because you you have to write on a specific thing. You know, you you almost don't have you don't have full liberty of what you want to do because there's a certain style that you have to play in almost it's it's like a the law the law of hill song right you know <laughs> you don't you don't go against the law of hill song you play your intro you play your verse you play one chorus you play another verse you play two choruses and you play a bridge, <laughs> bridge. and you sing the bridge 46 times until you're holy <laughs> or until everyone goes home so <laughs> A... <laughs> you missed out. The first chorus has to be a down chorus, Brit. Damn. Um, the, the, the formula was... <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why none of my songs are making it. 
That's it. Jeez. That's it. I, I fixed it for you. In the down chorus. <laughs> the the down chorus. The down it was the down chorus. That was it. <laughs> that was Everything it. else was perfect, dude. But yeah, I, exactly. I, I do think it's a very tricky thing to do because obviously you, you're almost limited. You know, it's like you you wanna you want to kind of in a sense usher in the presence of God, but like it it's almost illegal for us to do that in a different way. Mm. you know yeah like we've almost put like stylistic preferences on lists on their like being like the key holder of god's presence that that that's because church has to be inclusive you you you're trying to be all things for everyone Mm. you know you're not you're not like specifically us three we could probably go to a church that has high tempo heavy guitars big drums and we'd be like i'm never leaving this church I'm just going to stay here and we're going to play 24 hours of this music. You know, you have to incorporate people who are 10 years old and you have to mm. incorporate people who are possibly 90 years old, you know? Yeah. Who- it's hard, isn't it? It's such a hard kind of thing to, like, trying to figure out what's the best way forward, isn't it? Because, like, like um, don't get me wrong, like, and you could, you'd probably agree, and we've said this many times, but like there are some amazing songs that are in this kind of more like you say modern church CCM style. There's some beautiful, amazing stuff, and like I like God has spoken to me so much through it. But like you said, it is, uh, and like we spoke, like we were talking about before. It's like it's what did you say, Steve? I can't remember what episode it was, but it's like it's spacey uh, rock, spacey rock, yeah, spacey, spacey rock. rock, and it's like delicious but vanilla. Like it's very delicious, but it is vanilla. But it's how how do you? How do you navigate creating a like a, a style of worship? Because like no matter the, which way you look at it, there has to be a style. Um, like how do you nav- navigate creating a style that is it will include the like the the, the kid, but it also will inc- include the the ninety year old, and it will include the like the 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 heavy metal head. It will include the the dude who's into hip hop. Like it's. How do you do it? It's it's almost impossible, yeah, I, isn't I, it? I honestly I don't think you can. And I think I think that's why like the church has almost settled on this kind of spacey rock style, right? Mm. Is because it is it is something. You've got a little bit of guitar in there. Yeah, you've got some nice little licks in there. You've got a little solo maybe now and then. That caters to us, you know? Uh, you've got that really nice space for the people who they just want to soak in that presence when you hit that keys you know you hit the keys and it's holy spirit pads. yeah the pads the spirit pads holy spirit, spirit pads. fingers <laughs> uh, you know and you get that kind of you know spacey feeling like you did almost from the old traditional hymn sort of side where it's just piano Ooh. and singing you know it's it's almost like we've settled on this all-inclusive style which is it's good but like for musicians like us who are like maybe a bit you know, more on a heavier side. It's a bit like, oh, but it's just a bit boring. Which almost then becomes non-inclusive, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. You could almost say, like, for example, that, like, when I was growing up and I was really into Muse, right, and I'd listen to, like, Origin of Symmetry on loop forever, and now they've become, like, I think, you know, like, there, there's a separate discussion about how much their style has changed. But ultimately they are they are a mainstream act now but i i think that's because you know they have like a really broad following they sell out stadiums and arenas and things like that and i think 
there's something to be said about how people's musical tastes um, evolve over time. Um, so I don't know, maybe we're not giving people enough credit because we are still playing in the same musical style. We've been playing in the same musical style of worship for at least a decade, right? Um, you know, I mean, if that, you know, more, maybe more. Um, I mean, something we've talked about on the podcast before, I'd love to, because for one thing, I would, having heard your music, and I, I would love to hear you know, even if it is the kind of Hillsong Worship, Elevation, you know, Bethel, you know, uh, I would love to hear those songs done in the style of your music. I think that'd be absolutely great. I, that, and I think that is one thing, really fresh. one thing that I have actually saw, thought about previous. I, I've even recorded, I recorded a cover um, not long ago of Oceans, I think, but nice. I'm just like, I'm not quite sure what to do with it. <laughs> you know, I'm not quite sure what to do with these things because there's not really that that music like you could take it and translate it into a totally different style you can do it you know it still has the same meaning behind it but we just we get a bit of a beat down in the middle yeah i I would i would love to hear that if i'm honest um but like what we talked about um we've talked about in previous weeks as well is the idea that you know it's not necessarily dispensing with the songs but actually is that the and I think, Kyle, this kind of comes back to answering what you were saying about, you know, how do we cater to the people who like hip-hop, the people who, you know, like all these different styles. Well, what styles do the people in your worship team like? And what styles do the people in your congregation like? You know, like, and there's got to be some synergy of that because in theory, the people in your worship team are going to be a representation of the styles that people in the church like. And if you just kind of lean into those styles, I don't think there would be people who would like, leave <laughs> i think the tricky the tricky thing is that we don't really know right when when's the last time you heard a worship team say right congregation what music do you actually listen to we don't we just we just feed them what we think that they want we just go right these are the songs that hillsong are playing or bethel are playing those are the songs you like right and they to be honest they probably don't you know, if you're if you're a worship musician, the last the last thing that you want to put on in the car sometimes is worship music. You know, you want to put something that you're like, right, I'm actually inspired to maybe create something. You know, I've I've always found that anyway. But well, that was before I listened to the album that Hillsong released with Cornerstone on. That album still still blows my mind. Yeah, you you get like. Like, like, like you're saying, like, it's not stylistically the kind of Steve quoted uh, Spacey Rock isn't necessarily like your style of music. And and like that's that's not a bad thing or a negative thing. Um, but like you will you will have those albums every now and then that like you say, kind of talking about earlier, but like you have this the song every now and then that just kind of holds a really special place for you. But you will have the album when you like I the album Empires by Hillsong, like just mm. just like punches me in the gut every time I listen to it. It was just, yeah, it was like just the lyrical content in there and the creativity in the music. Like, but they were singing, they were singing to God and, and, and singing to Jesus in, in a way that I'd never really heard before. And it was so much more intimate. It was so much more like relational and it it wasn't like, and don't get me wrong. I love the songs like, um, like how great is our God and things like that. I mean, like they're, they're powerful songs and I, I've, I've connected with God so much through those before, but that album for me was so much more 
intricate in the way that we relate as humans to to God. And I was like, it's so it's so beautiful. Um, I kind of I want to I want to get into question three. Let's do it. So we like this question. <laughs> so question three is um, like so just taking obviously I know you like you haven't been in the kind of church setting or worship culture for like a year but obviously you've got like massive massives 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 see i can't talk tonight you have to have to deal with it um of experience with it but like what would you if you could change anything about modern worship culture what would it be if i could change anything i'd i'd probably change the style of it personally mm. i think we've got to a, we've got to a point now where it's just we're playing the similar sort of thing same it's the same it's the same like you have to diversify at some point otherwise you get stagnant you know you you spoke a little bit about muse and how they changed um over the years it's but it's a it's a real real tricky one because you can't just say right we're playing this style now because some people won't like it and that's that's why we've got got a bit stagnant it's like we're just playing those you know for it's four or five chords and these nice wishy-washy sort of sounds and you could sing anything over them and it's almost like well when are you gonna actually not provoke but maybe like you know ask the question is this all are you only coming for a show are are you here to worship or are you just putting on a show are you just showing off no it's like i I get i get what you're talking about dude like and it's obviously like you don't want to kind of paint everyone with with the same brush and like there's obviously the majority of people well i would hope are there to worship but like i love what you said about like the thing you would change is, is the style uh, and correct me if i'm wrong but like, I'm, I'm kind of taking that in the way of like and the way like kind of the way, the way you took that in what you're saying is like this style has become this thing and it's become like the okay ccm and this is what church sounds like and this is what and it's become this kind of like um kind of corporate globule um that we like it's now like it's a show and it's a this and this and this and it and it's it's become kind of disingenuous almost in some places um it's like am i right in it's saying like that? Some, is that what you mean it's like some big corporation has taken over the whole thing yeah okay and and like, how, how would I explain that? It, it's like some some big corporation has come in, and they're sort of putting little. It's it's like if you were owned McDonald's, right? And you put little McDonald's everywhere, and you're like, right, mm. this this is this is what it's like. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. Everyone does it the same, and it's almost like. Not not Hillsong is this big bad, like because obviously they do a lot of good stuff. Of course, but it's like everyone aspire. Everybody in a church setting aspires to be them. Instead of your your Kyle and you're trying to be me. Hmm. Whereas be Kyle. Yeah, you know, like your church be your church. I think. A lot of that is maybe like writing your own content, I'd say. Like if you're a, if you're a church who has skilled musicians, people who write, people who want to be creative, 
you have to encourage encourage them. You can't just say, oh, you creative people come into the church and you only play these songs because eventually mm. those creative people will go and be creative somewhere else. And I think we've experienced that over time. You know, with we used to pl- play a bit in the band together, didn't we? Um, uh, outside of church and Helen wants to write, yeah. you know, wants to get into writing songs and there, there has to be some kind of avenue for us to be creative in a worship setting because I, I've always felt that it's like, no, this is how we do it and that's it. Okay. Instead of saying, well, how would you, how would you like to do it? You know, and having, it's, it's almost, it's almost like a control, like saying, no, this is how we do it. This is how we want it to be done. If, if you do it like that, then that's not how we do it. It's also just an easy template, I guess, you know, if we're viewing it, you know, from a less, like a less insidious point of view as well. This is just like, if you, like they, they would probably think that they were giving the church a template to follow. Uh, because like you say, well, actually, you know, coming at it from the flip side, writing your own material, um, finding your own style, finding your own um, way of expressing worship musically, stylistically, it requires something. It requires hard work and um, and obviously volunteers in a church may not have the kind of time and desire to do that and so it's easy to just copy Hillsong. I'm not saying that's right at all because I don't think it is. I think mm. it's, I think the way forward is, like you say, for people, like churches to write their own content um, and to uh, embrace a musical style that naturally springs from within the congregation. But you can see how we've ended up here yeah, so I'm like thinking about kind of just church as a whole, right? And not obviously we are the generation we're in, and, and the ch- the current kind of church culture we're experiencing is this kind of more like Hillsong and stuff like that. And I, I never want I never want like demonize that stuff because, like, and I've said it before, like they're amazing. They do some amazing, amazing things, and there's some beautiful, wonderful people involved in those churches. Um, and like looking back, like now, like you go to like, the older churches, and like they were all doing hymns that other people wrote and and things like that i mean it's it's such a hard kind of world to navigate because you're so right in what you're saying we need to be us as a church like like god's put like the identity of you what you're doing on you like like god needs you to be you because there isn't another you i mean like if i like if there's if there's two kyles then one of us is kind of obsolete i mean and it's like you need to do the thing that God's calling you to do. And it's like, you want to be able to navigate that in the most humble way you can, in a way that kind of like elevates the people around you, that doesn't kind of demonize the stuff that's going on outside. Like like Steve's saying, it's this, it's this template that can be given out to churches if, if needed. It's like, it's a really useful thing. Do you know I mean, cause like coming back to the volunteer thing, there's people out there who don't have the time to be writing their own music and stuff like that. Although it would be fantastic if every church could have homegrown music because that's where like the heart of the church to be able to be singing the heart of the church would be glorious. I think it's the idea of like being able to take that kind of blank slate or that template and use it as like a stepping stone and use it as what it's kind of intended for instead of putting it up on this pedestal, which we've tended to do. 
and like we see you know we see the stage and the lights and we see this like almost like wow like what like, like rock stars like, i said that before and it's it's like you're taking the wrong message from it yeah it's a great um like the the big worship teams they're a great stopping off point they're they're, they're a terrible destination i would say you know what I mean? If you're kind of trying to find an authentic um, way of expressing worship um, mm. in your context, right? Because, like, um, you know, like Matt, who we had on the previous week, um, he said, you know, Hillsong are great at being Hillsong, but, like, what what is your church great at being? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, and I think that's it, really, isn't it? It's just, um, it's their, like, they should always be, yeah, a jumping off point emulating these big worship teams should be a jumping off point into further creativity because then you know i'm i guess you know i'm kind of just bouncing this idea around you know and, and you know everything i say i have the right to change my mind you know as everyone does um but it's like also you know as a kind of like well volunteers they don't have time to write songs but actually they make time for their their hobbies like they make time for hours and hours of gaming they, yeah. you know, they <laughs> make, hurt. you know, they make time, <laughs> you know what I mean? They make time for sitting there and spending a whole evening doing a jigsaw. And like, like you say, Bryn, like it's with the technology that's available to us, it is not a difficult thing. Like me and uh, Rob Westall, who me and Carl both play for, um, we sat down and did a songwriting session the other evening. I bought, um, speaking of Rage Against the Machine, I bought a Digitech Whammy for my birthday and it's an amazing, amazing pedal. It's so much fun and it's inspired me to write new riffs. And so we took this riff I'd written, put some chords around it, wrote a song um, and then literally the next day I was able to demo out all the, all the guitar parts. Um, and yeah, that is and it's like as easy I, as that. Exactly. That's something I recorded to click and that's something that Carl could very easily record drums to. Someone else can report, record bass too. So actually the ease with which we can, you know, because nobody ever needs to hear that demo, but like it's good enough for like a band to learn the song. I think creativity is hard though, you know? And you you almost have to be in a in a certain position for, the, for you to be effective, you know? I, I talk about that from my point of view, like from myself. I think I haven't been as creative as I have been in the last two years ever in my life, musically anyway. But I think that's because that's because I've put myself in that position, if that makes sense. Because because I've mm. been, you know, three three nights a week for three hours, I'm dedicated to streaming my music on Twitch. It's like I've given myself that opportunity to be creative, you know? So as far as creativity goes, there has to be some kind of, you know, routine or some kind of dedicated practice that you put in, like practically now, um, that kind of helps you to be more creative, you know? You, can, you can't be creative if you're just going to go, I'm a creative person and you just sit there and do nothing. Nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah. You're not ever going to make any progress, you know. Put lit advice for, you know, anybody who's starting maybe music or, you know, learning like, you know, your students too, Kyle, is set yourself 
some time, even if it's two hours for two days a week, and you will progress. You know, there's going to be some kind of progression to your learning or your creativity. You know, if you put a session session in a week that you're like, right, I'm just going to create something. I'm just going to create something from you. You know, you do a session every week that's like, right, I'm just going to practice this particular set of chords or this particular scale. Um, it's those kind of little things that will add up over the years of you playing music that will actually get you to a point where you're like, okay, I can actually do this and I can actually make my own music and this is how I want it to sound. Uh, you know, but that's that's just a little practical thing that you can actually do if you just set some time during the week. You know, it doesn't even have to be long. It can be an mm. hour at a time. No, it, it's right. Like, I agree. Like you kind of both said it there. And I th again, I think you can make excuses and kind of go, like I said, like volunteers, you don't really have time. And obviously there's people out there that, that don't. Like there's people out there who are working two, three jobs and, and stuff like that. And that's a completely different situation. But you are right. Like, I think we need to prioritize. Our, like, if we are involved in worship teams, we need to, like, prioritize that far more and not just treat it as this kind of hobby on the side where we rock up, rock up on a Sunday and we'll just, and we'll blag it. And just, like, do you know I mean, like, I think we need, we need to prioritize it more. We need to go, okay. And don't get me wrong. I love, I love a good binge of a TV show. Like I'm, I'm doing it now. Like, do you know I mean, like, and, and there's not think there's anything wrong with that, but if we're not putting the time in to work on our craft within that worship context and, and go in, you know what, like homegrown worship would be amazing here. Like, like you said, like, w let's use this template we've got from Hillsong and all that stuff. And okay, how does that look for us? But like you said, Bryn, creativity takes time and it takes hard work. So are we, are we willing as members of a worship team, are we willing to actually carve out time to do that instead of just going, ah, oh, we'll just copy a Hillsong track because that's easier instead of taking something or growing something that is the heart of your church that you're involved with. Especially if you've got a lot of people as well, you know, that's, that's a real big struggle because people are people, you know, you're not going to mm. agree with everyone. You're not yeah. going to disagree with everyone, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be people who have an ego in there because musicians are, musicians are probably the most ego driven people I know, you know, <laughs> I'm a drummer. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> We're in the back. You're like, you're the, I'm the best guitarist in the world. Like, dude, you no. <laughs> but it's, it's really tricky because you have to deal with other people, right? Even, even when you're in a band of four people, it's still difficult then. You know, imagine a worship team who have 50 people. How are you going to deal with those people? You know, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you know what, when you've been in a band, it's, like, no, that's not how this song is going to go. And he's like, the other guitarist, like, no, that's how the song goes. They're like, yeah, but you're not listening. That's how, that's not how it should go. It should go like this. You know, <laughs> it's a very tricky thing with people who are creative because that's, I think that's why it's a, a good thing that I do a lot of stuff on my own. I don't have anyone to answer to. I just create what I want. You know, no, nobody can tell me it's, it's bad. Nobody can tell me it's wrong. Oh, maybe you don't want me coming to play drums. <laughs> <laughs> the track's already finished. Sorry, mate. 
I can be changing it mid gig. I'll be like, sorry, bro. <laughs> this part's half time. Oh, it's double time. <laughs> but then I guess, like, yeah, then the flip side again, if we come full circle again, is it's just like, if it feels like too much to ask people to prioritize creativity for the worship team, for their expression of, of church. How do we make it? How do we make it more appealing? Then we we well, one thing we could do is make it more stylistically appealing, right? You know what I mean? Like if it's more stylistically appealing for musicians, then they're gonna want to pour time into it. Yeah, True. and that is is it's such a hard but question you're in, because then you're, you're in like, a circle. Okay, then what does that mean? Yeah, because what like what does that mean then? Because like for, you know, you may have um, like a buddy of mine. His like one of his favorite bands is like ABBA. Like I can't stand ABBA. Do you know what I mean like so? If you were to do stylistic, you'd be like, "Hey, let's sound like this." Like you'd be like, "Yes, I'm well up for that." And I'd be like, "I'm good." <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you how do you navigate like trying to pick the right stylistic thing so that people get excited and and but like you, like you're right in one sense of like like we are we're human, aren't we? Of course, style matters. Of course it does. Like I think we're like we're kidding ourselves if we got that false thing of like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like okay, I'll just do whatever. Um, I don't know what that voice was, but I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> like, but it has to like there. It has to be this deeper connection to the thing as a whole of what you're doing. So like like I've been like I've been in you know situations where I've been involved in in the worship team and like. Well, uh, we're doing that song again. Okay. All right. We've been doing that song for the past three years, every Sunday. Okay. All right. But like, I can't, I can't sit in that attitude. Of course, that's my initial attitude. Because like, you know. What song? What song was it? I don't want to, I don't want to say. Happy day. Happy day. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, but you can't, you can't sit in that reaction and just then go oh well you know what i'm not gonna get excited i'm not gonna i'm not gonna worship i'm not gonna like engage with the people around me i'm not gonna like lift up the people around me because i'm unhappy with the style it's like it's like there's this big there's, there's something bigger there that you can go you know what okay i may not like this style particularly or this song that's been played three thousand times um today but like I can still I know we were talking about earlier, it's different, isn't it? It is different. Like worship is different than just a normal like gig or song or whatever. Because there's something about it that even if stylistically isn't something you genuinely connect with, if that relationship for you with Jesus is is there, like it doesn't really matter. Doesn't doesn't matter. But these stylistic approaches do help. Bryn, it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on. Like it's been locked down, and I haven't actually seen you in person for ages. So it was honestly for me as a friend, it was amazing having you on. And dude, it is so good. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet, I love it. Yeah, and thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we'll see you at the same time next week. 
thank you for listening to this week's episode of Deconstructing Worship. We hope that you got as much from it as we did. Uh, we would absolutely love to have you all involved in these conversations. So please find us at Instagram and YouTube, both under the handle at Deconstructing Worship. And please send in any emails with any questions or anything that you would love involved uh, within any kind of future episodes. And our email is deconstructingworship at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.